3: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Podcast Eighteen, the most beautiful podcast in America. Alongside my pal Brandon Hudspeth, I'm Seth Austin, bringing you another episode of in-depth interviews with the people in and around Ole Miss athletics. And it, it, kind of coincidental this week that we've got two unbelievable interviews. I really enjoyed catching up with both of these folks, but not not. It, it seems like this is how it's gone so far. There's a, there's a connection to our yeah. interviews, but not the kinds you would anticipate. So. Ole Miss goalkeeper Ashley Orkus. She's the reigning goalkeeper of the year in the SEC. Uh, one of the best goalkeepers in the country is going to have a professional career. We'll get into all of that with Ashley, but then a former Ole Miss football player who, as we discussed with him, football, football, football almost his entire life. He's now working in Major League Soccer, so there's that thread between two former mm-hmm. Rebels and two really great people to get to catch up with, Brandon.
1: No question. And, you know, I, I didn't know Ashley really personally going into this, and she was she's a great interview. And, and so I think people will really, really enjoy her. And, and, you know, it's a unique way to really get to personalize her. But, um, you know, I've known Jamil since I've been at Ole Miss and and is a great friend and and we still keep up with each other and to see him kind of be able to mold his own trail and blaze his own trail in Major League Soccer has been really unique and really fun. And so, uh, I, you know, I think excited to just hear what he has to say.
3: What was your uh, association affiliation with soccer growing up?
1: I mean, so I talked about it a little bit, but, you know, they, we, our league, I grew up in Greenville, Mississippi, and, and the league would like – they would like recruit kids. So, like, if your buddies played, the coach would want all these kids that knew each other to kind of play, and they wanted to build that league. And, you know, so you would get basically recruited to a certain extent. If you could run and you were, you know, somewhat in shape or whatever, they were coming after you, and, and they grew that league. I mean, at one point, you know, that soccer association there in Washington County was like – one of the biggest in the state, um, and they, I mean they had fifty soccer fields out there probably, and I mean every night they had some type of thing going on, um, and, and so that was really all it. And then you know as I've gotten older, I've certainly paid attention more, and I really think what Major League Soccer is doing is unique. And for what I do now on the corporate partnership side, I think they do a great job, and more people are getting kind of in that are pushing their dollars to, to Major League Soccer, which is cool. So, you know, it's been fun to kind of go look at them a little bit. You know, when I first started in marketing a long time ago, it was NASCAR, right? It was like, go look at what NASCAR is doing. They're they're killing it. They're blowing up. And so, you know, it was kind of like, okay, let's go see what they're doing because you want to pull things from different, you know, groups. Um, and then now, you know, it, it, it's Major League Soccer just because of the kind of the innovation and stuff that they're doing.
3: Yeah, I feel like a lot of people get there introduction to playing sports and i'm sure you'll have your daughter kicking a ball around here in no time B hud but it it just feels like obviously neither of us reached our potential out on the pitch and that's why we're sitting where we're (laughs) sitting today but ashley orcas is is certainly going to exceed everything we've accomplished times two or three and has already started showing what she's capable of at a major uh, appearance in the ncaa soccer tournament last season and is off to another great start here in 2021 here's our chat with the Ole Miss soccer goalkeeper Ashley (music) Orkus joined by Ashley Orkus the reigning SEC goalkeeper of the year and the leader between the posts for the Ole Miss soccer team Ashley when did you start playing soccer when did you get out there on the pitch for the first time and what other positions did you play and when did you find out that goalkeeping was the right spot for you
2: Um, So I actually started playing soccer when I was three or four um, in like church league and stuff like that. And I actually wasn't in goal for the first little bit. I was actually a forward, which is funny. And then I figured out that I hated running and like soccer. So I had to figure something out real fast, but, uh, but it's, it's, I've been playing for quite a while.
1: So you, I mean, you play goalkeeper, you bang bodies, you're making saves. What are your, I mean, what are your favorite aspects of that position and, and like what makes you feel at home there?
2: Um, everything. The only thing that I don't like about uh, being a goalkeeper is that it gets tough sometimes when you get scored on a lot. But other than that, I love it. I love diving. I love hitting people. I love kicking the ball. I love talking. I love all of it. Um, my favorite thing about it is that it's not a physical position, it is, but it isn't. It's mostly a mental position because I get to see the entire field. So I get to kind of direct the back line and direct the defensive mids and kind of tell them. Who to mark where to go, what to do with the ball, stuff like that. And so for me, it's not, it's a very physical position and it's a physical game, but it's also a huge mental kind of chess match in a way. And I really, really love that.
1: So it sounds like it's similar to like being a quarterback or a catcher on the baseball field where you're kind of you see everything. You're kind of making the calls and, and things like that. We talked about it a little bit before we started recording, but how important is the that your defenders that are in front of you, how important is it for them to help you? In certain games, you you know, you said like, you know, you're getting, you know, on goals all the time. But if your defenders are looking out for you, that that has to help to a certain extent.
2: Uh, yes, I am only as successful as the people in front of me. And one of the things I always tell them is. The harder that they work and the better they do, the less work that I have to do, which is ultimately better for the team. I don't want to touch. I want to touch the ball, but I don't want to touch the ball in the game because that's what's best for the team.
0: Right. Um,
2: and we've kind of had a little bit of struggles, uh, a couple of struggles this season, trying to figure out certain like quirks that we have and different weaknesses and stuff like that. But we've started to, uh, we started to figure it out. We're starting to grow. And uh, it's a pretty young back line. Um, I think we have Sid Michalak is our, uh, is our oldest player back there. Um, but the other three are, Either they have – I don't know if they're taking the COVID years and stuff like that, but they're underclassmen still. Um, so it's, it's been a bit of a learning curve this season because there's been some stuff that we've had to fix and had to adjust on the fly kind of. But um we're starting to figure it out and I think it's looking up for us but the better they play the less I have to touch the ball and the better my life is
3: yeah Ian says that all the time on our broadcast <laughs> Ashley that a, a clean sheet isn't a goalkeeper stat for the most time especially no. when you when sometimes you keep a zero up on the scoreboard but only have one or two saves it's not like you really face that many shots. So you need your back line to be that way. I thought Brandon, the, the headline of this so far is goalkeepers least favorite aspect of playing goal (laughs) is, is giving up goals. I I mean, that's, that's the headline so far. Yeah. Well, I mean,
1: that makes sense.
3: How do you bounce back in a game though? If if a goal does go, you know, past you, you got to maintain your, your, your calmness. And I feel like that's not one of your strengths after I've seen you give up a, an equalizer or whatever it might be that you have to get right back out there. Cause you're probably going to face another shot in the match.
2: Well, thank you. And I'm glad that I have uh, all of you guys fooled uh, because it's not fun. It's probably the worst thing. It's the worst feeling ever. I hate it. Um, and it's like, in a sense, it gets kind of embarrassing at times. If I make a really bad mistake that leads to a goal, it gets a little personal um but I've found that with my experience and through that type of stuff if I immediately start getting frustrated and getting mad and pointing fingers it's not going to end well um so as soon as it happens grab the ball out of the back of the net as soon as possible put it back up to midfield try and figure out what went wrong but also look for that throughout the rest of the game and um when we get scored on I hate it but I'm not the only one that hate it that hates it so I uh, a big part of that is making sure that the people in front of me are all right and they're not taking it too hard.
3: Well, one of the things Coach Mott told us before we called one of your first starts back in 2019 is how much they loved that you were so invested even off the pitch, that that goalkeeping was so important to you that sometimes you would be DMing Rob Instagram clips of some professional keepers and saying, how do we do this? How do we work on this? What When do you – when you see some of that stuff, what are you looking for from those keepers uh, when you're watching mm-hmm. those tape and who are some of the the pros that you idolize?
2: Um, I just look for stuff that I struggle with. Um, one of the things that I try and focus on and it's a positive and a negative, but I'm very, very hypercritical of myself. And so if I notice a facet of my game, that's not up to where I think it should be. I'll try and look for that stuff. And like the Instagram uh, explore page is it's my best friend, but it's also the worst time waster ever. But um, and it was hard for me my first uh, my first year here before I was playing because I couldn't play. And so that was kind of one of the only things that I had that I was able to do and that I could have uh, done to kind of build that relationship with Rob. Um, but I, I love Joe Hart. Um, I think he's a really good goalkeeper. I think he's helped England out a lot. Um, and I just like his style. We have very similar set positions and um, I appreciate how good he is with his feet, too.
1: Well, you you mentioned, you know, Coach Rob or whatever. You're from Vestavia Hills, Alabama, and Ole Miss was not your first school that you decided to attend. Uh, You go to Tennessee out of high school, um, but then you ultimately end up transferring to Ole Miss. Two questions. What made – well, let me start with this. How hard did Ole Miss come after you? Because obviously, I mean, these SEC schools are recruiting a lot of the same players, a lot of the same, you know – and especially on the goalkeeper side because Ole Miss has had kind of a string of really good goalkeepers, Um, how hard did they come after you? And then ultimately, what made your decision to transfer from Tennessee to Ole Miss?
2: Um, I actually made my final decision between Ole Miss and Tennessee um, when I was in high school. And I just – it was one of those situations where I look back on it and I sit there and I think, what was I doing? Because I thought I was making the right decision, but I wasn't. Um, and I actually, I, I really enjoyed my time at Tennessee and I'm really, really appreciative for the hard work that the coaches put in and the girls and everything like that. And I love Knoxville. Um, I love the city. I love the school, everything like that. But, um, I got on campus. I graduated the semester early. And so I was on campus in January after I had blown my knee out for the second time um they just like they took my crutches away from me and were like all right you're walking on your own and I was hobbling across campus and it was icy and snowy and all that stuff um (laughs) and I interacted with everything and uh it I called my mom after the first uh I, I think after the second week there and I called her I was like this is not where I'm supposed to be um and I knew and I tried to tough it out because I was rehabbing um I had a pretty big injury so I kind of, I tried to stuck it. I tried to stick it out. I stayed for the fall, kind of grinded through that, um, and it just mentally was not a very good place for me to be. Um, it's just, it's not where I was meant to be at all. But um, I stuck it out through the spring because I, I knew at that point that I wanted to uh, look into my other options. But I didn't have any game film because my redshirt year was burned. I played like sixty eight minutes or something like that. Um, and I understand, looking back on it, I understand it. But yeah. in the moment, I was like, this is nuts. And so I stuck it out for the spring played. And then, um, I actually, um, I called Ole Miss was one of the first schools that, uh, that reached out to me and I, I left Knoxville on a Saturday night, moved out of my dorm, all that stuff, uh, went back to Birmingham and then left that Sunday, um, at six o'clock in the morning, came up to Oxford, took a visit, committed that afternoon. So I, I like, I knew when I was at Tennessee, I knew that I was in the wrong spot and I had a really good idea of where I wanted to be. And it just took me coming back on campus to see it.
1: Well, Rob knew for sure. Cause Rob is the goalkeeper whisperer. So when he, <laughs> <asked> that, <laughs> yes. he probably already knew then that, you know, that, what was about to happen. Um, oh, yes. And on that note, a lot of, I mean, a lot of people talk about their love for this old Miss coaching staff. You know, they're obviously very close knit. Um, what's it like getting to play for those, that squad, that group of coaches every single day, and certainly um, one of the best in the business with Rob?
2: Um, I wholeheartedly believe that Rob is the best collegiate goalkeeper coach ever in the entire uh, United States, wherever. I think he's the best. Um, And he's the reason why I decided to end up coming here. Um, I have never met somebody that can strike a ball as hard as he can, um it drives me nuts sometimes but I have seen exponential growth in myself not only as a player but also as a person too um one of the things that I really appreciate about Ole Miss and that I kind of missed um previously was that Rob knows me as a person he knows my he knows my dog's name he knows that I love the Cowboys he knows all that stuff um, <laughs> and he's not he's about soccer but it's not just about soccer. He cares about you as a person first and then a player. And I think that's one of the, uh, that's one of the biggest things that we have that a lot of places don't.
3: Yeah. I mean, you can see the growth that you've experienced under Rob and you're not the only person who's talked about how great of a coach he is in that space. And uh, it, it definitely came to fruition last year during the team's NCAA tournament run into the sweet 16. Uh, you had a, seven shootout saves over those two wins against number eight USC and Bowling Green. What was it that experience like uh, for that group? It was such a long year uh, split between the fall and the spring seasons. And, you know, you guys put it all together at the end in the spring and made one of the deepest runs in program history. What was that entire experience like?
2: Um, it was incredible. And it's something that I am never, ever going to forget. Um, I do, I do feel bad because when we ended up, uh, when we were playing USC after the, um, After second overtime, everybody on the bench was like, come on, Ash, you got this. You got this. And I just look at him. I'm like, don't talk to me. Like, just let me lay on the ground. Let me do my breathing exercises. Like, and I just, I remember making that last stop. And the only thing that I wanted to do was run up to those group of, to those group of girls and the coaching staff and just celebrate because we spent, it was a rough fall. It was hard for us. And then the spring we came out and we were lights out every single game. Um, and it was, we deserved it and we had earned it. And so it was, it was incredible. That was probably the best experience that I have ever had in my cruising career.
3: I'm going to repeat myself because I don't think I explained it well enough. Seven shootout saves <laughs> and two wins over Bowling Green and USC. You were on an Island out there. I mean, when it's a mm-hmm. penalty kick or a shootout opportunity, Ashley, that that's you versus another person. There's a lot of film preparation that I'm sure goes into finding tendencies. I'm not sure how much you get of that at the collegiate level when there's not penalties being taken on a, on a nightly basis, but uh, what's that like? What does it go? What goes into that? What makes you such a strong stopper on PKs?
2: Um, It's truthfully a huge mind game. That's all it is. It's not about, it is about physical ability to an extent, but it's also about picking up on certain cues and doing your research beforehand and trying to read certain people, but also understand their personality Um, I remember Tara McCowan was the girl that she had a PK in first, the first overtime period that we played, um, was able to stop that one. And then she took another one. And I've known her previously through um, certain club matches and like national team experience and stuff like that. And I just kind of had picked up on enough of her personality to realize she's going to go the same way. She wants she's stubborn enough and competitive enough that she wants to put it in on that same side that she missed. And so it's it's all about reading people and reading their personalities and reading their body language. And also a, a good chunk of it is luck, um, to be completely honest with you. And it's also – it I I had a decent game against USC in the run of play, but I, my back line and our entire team as a whole saved me a lot. And so it was a lot – and it was a whole team effort to get us there in the first place. And, uh, so it was – It was crazy and it was cool and I loved it, but it was, it was really stressful.
3: (laughs) Well, that 2020 season led to a lot of accolades, SEC goalkeeper of the year, all SEC, uh, being on the top drawer, best 11 team at the end of the season and the preseason here for 2021. Whenever your time comes after all these accolades amount for you here, uh, you're going to be a professional goalkeeper. There's no doubt about that. When you think about the opportunity to continue playing soccer professionally, what does that mean to you?
2: Uh, It means the world. It's for me, I have personally been through a lot, both mentally and physically, like trying to get to the point where I'm at right now and blowing my knee out twice, all that stuff, been through a bunch of stuff with my head and things like that. And so it, everything that I've worked for and everything that I've sacrificed since I was so little is going to lead up to that point. And it's cool. It's, It's a lot of pressure, but it's really, really cool. And I love it because it gives me an opportunity to kind of um, achieve what I've been working towards my entire soccer career since I was three or four years old. So it, it would mean literally my entire career in the world to me to be able to do something like that. That's my, uh, that's my ultimate goal.
1: I think one of the unique things too, about the growth in soccer in the United States in general is the growth on the women's side with some of these women's, the women's leagues popping up and having success and having you know passionate fan bases and you know CC Kaiser right now playing and uh you know Channing who was drafted last year and will go on to play. Um I mean what what do you see as far as that you know what you envision the growth in the women's game and especially at the pro level. I mean like what is your what are your pro aspirations and you know how have you seen the growth on that side?
2: Mm-hmm. Um so my aspirations I would love to stay in the United States. I'm very much a homebody. I love my family. I love being close to home. Um, So I would love to stay here. But I also understand that there's not a lot of contracts out there for goalkeepers. So truthfully, I will go anywhere that will give me an opportunity. I just want a chance to play. And I just (laughs) I just want a chance to prove myself and just have fun and enjoy it. Um, But I have really kind of picked up on the growth the past like maybe five or six years. It's been exponential. And so I just I see us adding more and more and more and more teams as the years go on and as we gain more and more traction.
1: When you were younger, you you were part of a lot of the national team camps for the United States. What was it like at a young age to see some of the best female players in in the in America and you get to kind of watch them and then obviously see their progression? And then you you know you you're a part of that. You were at those camps as well, and you kind of you know now blazing your trail. What was it like though to to see that at a young age?
2: Um, it truthfully was a really big test to my mental strength. Um, Because the roster for team camps, for youth team camps, changes so often that you could have a lights out camp and not get called in the next time that they have one. So it's it really kind of forced me to grow up and mature a little bit faster um, because I remember my first um, they do these like nightly like practices and stuff like that called um, training centers, I guess. And I remember my first one I did. I did so bad. And I cried on the entire way home to my mom because I was like, "I'm not. They're not gonna ever call me back. This is gonna be horrible. I hate this. Like, this is so bad. I just embarrassed myself." Um, but it's it, and as 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 tough as that night was, and as bad as I feel for my parents now that they had to deal with me, um, it uh, it was. It, I look back on that now, and I I attribute part of my mental strength and tenacity and determination to stuff like that. Um, because I would get into a team camp. And then I wouldn't get called in because I would have to have surgery. And then I'd get back in, didn't do too great, didn't get called in. Went back in, blew my knee out again. So it's like, it's, it really taught me how to realize what I want and commit to it and be willing to sacrifice whatever I have to. Um, but it was also really cool because I see people now that got drafted, um, this past draft, and I'm like, oh, I played with her. We follow each other on Instagram. Yeah, she's verified on Instagram. Yeah, we're friends. And so it's it's really cool, and it kind of um, it tightens the community a little bit for um, soccer in general. Like we'll play SEC teams, and I know somebody on almost every single team from club, but also from that. So it uh, it was cool, and it gave me something to work towards and something to look forward to, and um, stuff like that. So I I'm, it was hard, and uh, but I loved it.
1: I think it speaks to the work ethic side too, because and you mentioned it. You know, you see so many of these super athletes. And I think a lot of times that the casual fan, the average fan takes it for granted and says, oh, well, you know, it's that's just, it's just another soccer player. It's just another, you know, All-American or whatever, fill in the blank. But you get to be close to someone that is on a different level and you get to see their work ethic. You get to see their day-to-day. You get to see what kind of, you know, time and energy and effort they're putting in and then you go okay well that's why they're that good is because they're doing all of this and so i think that to me you know when i was reading some of this about you it just says okay well you kind of see why she's having success is because she was able to go to these different things that were were ultimately helped her be successful because she got she got to see it day in and day out and i think that's mm-hmm. the unique thing about those type camps
2: yes 100% do you ever let yourself
3: uh daydream about wearing the red, white, and blue and, and going between the posts to represent the country? Is that something that you can allow yourself to do?
2: Um, it depends. Uh, it depends on what's going on. If I have something important to do the next day, if I just feel like daydreaming. Um, I, so one of the ways that I handle that, and that goes back to the whole like kind of not really mind game, but mental strength that is needed with stuff like that. I would love to and that's ultimately something that I feel like I'm capable of doing if I continue on the track that I'm doing and continue to work hard and push myself and stuff like that. Um, I would love to, but very rarely do I let myself daydream because I, uh, I know that while I'm here I don't Miss, this is my sole focus and this is what I have to work on. But I would, I would love it. It's, it's really fun watching their games on TV and being like, yeah, I would love to be out there. I would, I would do a lot of things to be out there right now. That'd be so cool.
3: Well, let's talk about your game a little bit more. You notoriously have a big leg and you get brought out to the field more than once a match to whether it's deliver a free kick or, or, or so be it. I'm not sure if it was, and you can help me here, if it was Samford or Alabama or LSU. Alabama. Okay, hey, Brandon, <laughs> a near screamer, upper 90. I don't think it was an attempted shot on goal. I think it was meant to be a pass. But if you sneak one in, what is the goal celebration?
2: Um, so that actually was a shot. Um, I, I'm going to own it. I will own it. I was I was trying to go for goal. Um, to be <laughs> completely honest, um, I know the tendency of certain goalkeepers that we play against again through the past experiences with soccer, and I know like I can kind of see like their tendencies, and I know what they're about, and I just knew that that was one that I was in the right position, and I figured why not? It was a wet night. Figured oh well. Um, but I uh, the reason I actually never used to be that good at being a good distributor with the ball at my feet. I've, that was never really one of my strengths. It was something that I always kind of had to work on and was one of my honestly negative qualities about my game. Um, But when I was here, I don't miss after transferring um, since it was sec to sec, I had to sit out for a, for a full uh, 365 um, and I couldn't travel. I couldn't dress and I couldn't warm up, but I could practice. That's all I could do. Um, And I figured out how to turn the stadium lights on uh, pretty fast when they were out of town And so I would just go out and I still do it to this day. I go out at night, turn the lights on and it's just kind of, it's visualization, but it's also rep after rep after rep of goal kicks, drop kicks, side volleys, but also uh, um, playing in those type of set pieces. And we have a kick ball that I'll go out and kick against. And it's, it was for a really long time. It was all that I could do. And I just tried to throw myself and lose myself in it in a sense um, and that, but also in the weight room. I, uh, I pride myself on my ability to squat and deadlift and all that type of stuff. And that's a really big part of it. And that's part of the reason why I can uh, send the ball that far. But it, um, it's one of the cool things that I never thought would actually happen when I was back first here for my first year, not being able to do anything. Uh, but it's really cool to see how that, uh, that kind of happened from something I didn't ever expect.
1: I had a, at the LSU game, I had a client with me and they were sponsoring the game, shout out Bank of Commerce. But uh, they, uh, their marketing director is a girl named Lindsay, and she played soccer in high school and all that. So she was really into the game and we were having a good time just talking and uh, you kicked one from your goal and it landed about two thirds of the way down into a group of people. And she looks at me and she goes, holy moly. (laughs) <laughs> and, like, and I said well, what are you talking like yeah you know, just oh, I guess I wasn't paying attention she's like did you see how far she just kicked that and we were we were laughing it up about it I was like yeah I was like dude they're real athletes like you know it was just funny
3: but I love hearing about how much you know you're doing in the weight room you didn't answer my question what's the goal celebration
2: oh, oh I didn't even hear that are Sorry. you are you are you, um, are you
3: flipping like Channing or are we gonna get one of those
2: do you want to bring a stretcher out onto the field because if so <laughs> then yeah I'll try and do some somersaults for you but um, I don't really know. I'm torn because I know that obviously I would be super, super happy. I actually did score in the uh, NCAA tournament, by the way. I, uh, I took a free kick from midfield and scored against Bowling Green, but we fouled the goalkeeper, so they called it back. That is true. Um, and my celebration, I went – I just threw my hands up in the air. But I don't like – I'm not – I love Channing's flips. I love them to death, and she deserves every single one of them. But – From my aspect, I know what it would feel like to be the other goalkeeper and how embarrassing it would be. So it's like somewhere in the middle. I'm not that great at flips, um, contrary to popular belief. So probably not that. I might whip out a a cartwheel or something, but I'd get like really low points for that one.
3: And along the same lines, I saw the social media post that went out not that long ago, joking. You had the mic on at practice and you're working the long throw. I'm coming after you, Matt Corral, and I can be the kicker for all Miss. Have you ever kicked a football, and with what kind of success?
2: Um, I can kick a 40-yard field goal. That's the farthest I've been able to kick it, and I actually kicked that when I was in high school. I haven't kicked a field goal since then. So if anybody wants to go out and knock around some field goals, I would love to.
3: I think the bigger concern isn't the missing or making of the field goals or punting. I, I think that if they told you Okay, kick off the ball, get off the field. There's no chance that Ashley Orcas is not sprinting full speed to make the tackle.
2: Oh, I, I am. Uh, I'm too stubborn and I'm too competitive, and I would 100% go for blood in regards to that. There's no, I would not, I'm not the type of person to step off the field for something like that. I, I want the tackle.
1: That's awesome.
3: Well, we're not going to persuade anybody to try to make that happen because she's got too important of a job for the old Miss Soccer team and we're we're so appreciative of the time today Ashley you were great. Uh, we look forward to the rest of uh, your success here in the Red and Blue. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for
2: having me.
1: What a great interview with Ashley. I think, you know, the the thing that I took away from that for the most part is just her humbleness. She seems like a very down-to-earth, very humble um, I think it's really unique that, you know, she started an SEC school and kind of realized that that, that wasn't where she needed to be. Not a lot of kids do that. Um, not a lot of kids have that kind of forethought. Um, and then she, you know, ultimately ended up where she wanted to be and where she needed to be, which is Ole Miss. And so uh, just a you know, cool kid, cool attitude. Uh, you know, that was that was really good.
3: Major connective tissue to – that interview and one we had a few weeks ago with Rob Thompson and Matt Mott, the goalkeeper coach and and head coach of, of Ole Miss soccer. If you haven't listened to that one, make sure you go back on Spotify, Apple on YouTube and, and and catch up with the coaches and you understand the kinds of players. They talked about it, that there's a certain quality of Ole Miss rebels that they're looking for when they're recruiting and Ashley certainly has those characteristics. And, And she, she puts that combined with the talent that she has. She's uber athletic and you hear, the kind of involvement she had when it was just her and she all she could do was practice that she was seeking out becoming the best goalkeeper she could be and and that's something you can truly admire
1: for sure no doubt um and i mean that that really her kind of forethought and attitude really leads into our next guest which is Jamil Northcutt, who played football here at Ole Miss, like I said, he worked in the athletics here. He, he worked for the SEC office. He's worked in the NCAA office. He's worked in the NFL um, now with Major League Soccer. And as I said, you know, in the opening, you know, Jamil is just a uh, just a wonderful, wonderful person, human being, um, and you know, he will tell you that a lot of that was molded as a at a young age, but but you know, it was also molded through his experiences in life. And so I think I think. Our listeners will get a lot out of the interview from from his side of just kind of that grind and, and getting to where he's gotten to in his career.
3: Yeah, we touched on a lot of different topics with Jamil, so we hope you enjoy this interview with Dr. Jamil Northcutt. Brandon, really excited to be joined by Dr. Jamil Northcutt, who was a linebacker with the Ole Miss football team from 2000 to 2003, and, I mean, his resume is so distinguished. Uh, worked in the SEC league offices uh, was in player development with the Chiefs. He was here at Ole Miss in the athletic department, was the Cle- was with the Cleveland Browns, and now is vice president of player engagement with Major League Soccer, academic honor roll four times when he was here with Ole Miss. Uh, Jamil, you have such a distinguished resume. Uh, not to turn this into a question about myself, I turned 30 this weekend. When did you realize you have your life in order? Because it seems like you had it in order at a much earlier age than I do.
4: <laughs> no man you know it, it. it's all good you know sometimes you you trip up on things and you, and you fall up on to success uh but that's been good but one of the things i've learned now is not necessarily you know accumulating all those different things it's more about smelling the roses and making sure you're enjoying the journey so uh appreciate the the compliments but it's, it's been fun there's a lot of people involved in everybody's success at the end of the day so you can't get there alone
3: you really took advantage of the, uh, the academic side of things. When you were here at Ole Miss, you earned three degrees from the University of Mississippi. What motivated you to attack academics with that gusto? And what kind of advice do you have for students and student athletes that are currently maybe getting their undergrad, pursuing postgraduate degrees or like you did going for your doctorate? Yeah,
4: it's about taking advantage of the resources. You know, when I was a student athlete there, you know, we, we would we would be there training anyway. And so you, you came in early uh, as a freshman. There's a lot of us uh, in our 99 signing class, myself, Eli, Jesse Mitchell, Vaughn Hutchins. I remember we used to ride around in Vaughn's car. He had the car. Him and Eli had the cars. And so we needed we, we needed we need to, to take us to and from uh, practice. And so or when we were training in the summer. And so you were taking a lot of hours uh, anyway. So during those summer, summer sessions, uh, particularly, you know, freshman year, sophomore year, et cetera, they kind of helped you get ahead. And so when you would get advised on campus by your advisor, you would see that you were making some headway academically in, in your core courses. And one of my advisors told me one time, he said, look, you were, you're blazing the trail pretty much uh, from a standpoint academically. You got a chance to get your master's before you graduate. So you need to look at trying to take advantage of that. So that's when it popped in my head that, okay, during this five-year period, since we all, a lot of that class in 99 redshirted, let me take advantage of of taking more courses than I probably need to be. I remember one one year I was taking about 19 hours. (laughs) I don't know how I made it playing football and doing that at that time, but, you know, that's kind of how it happened. And so, you know, I was able to finish my master's before, um, you know, I left there. The first five years that I was there and then upon coming back, we had a benefit, you know, that if you worked at the university uh, for a number of years, you had a chance to uh, get your degree paid for and I'm all about being debt free now I like to I like my money. And I like when other people pay for stuff for me so uh, there's nothing wrong with that so I took advantage of that opportunity. Uh, you still have to enroll, you have to get in interview, etc. And so being able to to do that was something that I'm proud of, and I'm happy that um, I was able to. Um, get into those programs and finish those degrees
1: We're looking at a Jamil Ramsey because he's debt free that's that's what's up <laughs> <laughs> so I got the privilege of working with you in athletics we, we worked on a lot of projects together um, but some of the most some of my fondest memories of working with you is us just sitting around talking shop talking football life all of that but you were with you were involved in football in some aspect from I'm assuming, peewee all the way through uh Cleveland Browns it, and then all of a sudden like I get you know we, we you, you get moved away and we're doing different things and always on the move and all of a sudden I get a notification I want to say on like LinkedIn where it said Jamil Northcutt and then it said Major League Soccer and I literally thought it was a typo like I remember going and like looking and reading I was like wait what like what is happening right now so what obviously football your whole life what what made you kind of make that change make that jump over to MLS
4: well I, I'll use the term I've been involved in sport my whole entire life <laughs> that's right you're right and huh? so I, I love ball yeah. so um, it don't matter what ball it is if if we can throw it out there and play and compete then I'm, I'm down with it so I love competition and so at the end of the day you know Football kind of led me to, you know, where I am. You know, you come across a lot of just different people. You know, I've had the, the, the privilege of being able to be in different venues and sectors and not necessarily be singular or tied down to one geographic region or location, you know, and, you know, working for a couple of NFL teams. You know, I've worked at the NCAA office. You meet a lot of people who have the same connections to, to folks. And when the MLS opportunity came, came up, I was at the NCA office in football development. With that group, uh, we were managed by uh, Oliver Luck, obviously John Duncan, a guy by the name of Chris Howard as well, and Mark Hicks. And uh, being on Oliver's team, so to speak, you know, much lower than what he was, there was a connect- connection there between uh, Commissioner Garber, uh, who was our commissioner here, uh, and, and him. You know, they go they go back to the NFL days. And so a lot of us have come through the NFL office um, I served at the, in the Interval Office as a director of football administration as well. And so having some connections there. Uh, but I got connected to an opportunity through a, a, another colleague. And he was just like, hey, they need somebody to come and build out, you know, this area that's dealing with the players. You would be the, the perfect person. And originally, I was like, you know, I don't necessarily know about this. You know, it's, it's a major shift or somewhat of a change. But I kept feeling that nudge, you know, to go take a look at it. Uh, And so I did. And the rest is history. So here I am. But again, it's it's those relationships that you make along the way. Uh, It's been great. You know, we're like a a startup uh, somewhat, you know, we have been in existence this year is our 26th year last year, we turned 25, but the great thing about it is we've got so many new things coming, coming down the line, we're getting ready to launch a a new lower division league that we've announced uh, coming up uh, next year in 2022. We're continuing to expand. Um, our teams, you know, we'll hopefully getting to 30 teams at some point in time. I know we'll be at 29 in 2023, and so it's just it's a it's a great opportunity. We've taken over the development academy system, so uh, that U.S. Soccer used to run. So now we call that MLS Next. So it's a lot of big projects that are going on. That um, a lot of our ownership groups and owner operators are, are invested in the game. We're just seeing a tremendous growth. You know, our viewership is up. You know, after the pandemic, it's just an exciting time to be in the sport. And then the one thing that I always tell people, you know, you go from the number one game in America to the number one sport in the world. And so this is a global game. It's no matter when my wife and I travel out of the country, we don't see football up. We see soccer. That's right, we yeah. see or actually, we don't see football like we see football.
1: Right.
4: <laughs> so it, it is it it is on every television uh, around the world. And so you know the World Cup's coming up in twenty twenty two. We got the World Cup coming to uh, America or to Northern America in twenty twenty six. And so it's a, it's a lot of momentum going, and we're really excited about the rising tide just coming our way.
1: We talked. We interviewed uh, Coach Mai and Coach Thompson on this podcast uh, a few weeks ago, and. One of the things they talked about was just their fandom of different teams. And, you know, Rob Thompson being a Man U fan from the time he was, you know, could could walk or speak. Don't get it
3: twisted. Man City, Be hug I'm sorry, on. Man City. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, a, that's an important distinction.
1: We added that up. Because <laughs> uh, he would get mad about that. Uh, but then Coach my you know, being relatively new to this fandom uh, to, to Man U, I do remember that. Um, and so... Did you, like, what were the things you kind of learned? Because I I don't know, we had never, and I'm just being completely transparent, you and I never had a conversation about Major League Soccer, to my recollection. And so uh, it wasn't like you were coming in weekly and going like, hey, the Galaxy, you know, that's my team. So what what was your fandom like kind of coming in? And then where, like, what is it now? And and how much have you kind of learned in your, you know, several years in MLS?
4: You know, when you start t- thinking about fandom, when you work in the industry, it's somewhat different. So right. I've always been a student athlete. Right. So I, I, I played the game. And so you and then when I left college, you know, you I went on to um, work in the industry as well. I was at the Southeastern Conference. So you never really get a chance to really root for your team because you always have to be neutral. Right. So that helps you develop an admiration more from a player attachment standpoint than it is from I'm I'm rooting for this local team. Now, I want my high school team to do well, Tallahoma High School Wildcats. Those are my folks. They're actually undefeated right now. Should be top in the state of Tennessee. <laughs> Shout out to them. Um, same thing when it comes to, you know, the Rebs, you know, old Miss. You know I want them to do well undefeated, get ready to head into this Alabama game. And so we want them to go ahead and and do what they know how to do, which is get this dub. And nobody's intimidated. Nobody's afraid. This is what we do. So you have a you have a connectivity to the team that you play for when it comes to looking at all the teams. You generally I've always been in a situation where I've had to be neutral anyway. So but working in the pros, you're always evaluating talent. And so you see everybody across the league. Uh, whether it's, you know, um, quarterbacks, linebackers, different position groups, you're interviewing all these players to be a part of your team. And so when you're playing, obviously you want your home team to be successful, but you pretty much know all the league and and you don't really want anybody to do to do bad. So my approach to rooting for teams is somewhat different. I still root for my teammates, whatever teams they're playing on, people that I know within the industry, want them to do well because I know what what the implications are as, as a result of results, right. uh, or producing results. So that's some of what it is. So when I came into Major League Soccer, I'm, I'm coming into a league that I wasn't really familiar with. Uh, the familiarity that I had with it, though, and this is interesting. You know, my first job, you know, from leaving the Southeastern Conference was with the Kansas City Chiefs. And so Lamar Hunt is the, was the owner of our team in Kansas City, the Hunt family. And so Lamar Hunt, he is one of the founders of MLS. So the Kansas City Wizards, or some referred to as the Wiz, were right there uh, in our facility. You know, They were in our training grounds. Uh, when I would bring in uh, some concierge level types of services for our players, those players, Eddie Johnson and some of the other guys were part of those clubs. Uh, that played in Kansas City, so there was a familiarity there with the, with the Kansas City Wizards. There, so that was my first dose uh, of MLS. So, um, so the so the fandoms not necessarily was not really there, but there was a familiar, familiarity with the sport. And obviously, being in Ole Miss, you know, we had a women's soccer program. You know, being at the Southeastern Conference, you were my first championship that I ever did was the women's yeah. championship. And yeah. so, Hurricane Ivan had blew through. Uh, back in the day, and we were supposed to go to Orange Beach, but we end up having to move that uh, tournament to Auburn. So, I've always had an affinity towards one competition in, in sports, but 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 the sport of soccer has always kind of been around my life. You know, and I played I played soccer growing up. That was one of the first sports that I played uh, aside from from baseball and basketball. Before I started playing uh, the other football, I played I played I played football or, or soccer, however you want to frame it.
3: Well, Brandon talked about this, but just an exciting time to be around MLS with expansion, whether it's Nashville, Austin, Cincinnati a few years ago, you know, LAFC joined the league not that long ago and has already pushed towards the top of the table. You've got higher caliber coaches, players joining the league, celebrity ownership with guys like Will Ferrell, David Beckham, Yo Gotti, Brandon, Yo Gotti just signed. Uh, yeah, DC United, uh, DC United this week. I mean, the aura of the league, I think you started to hint at it with all the plans moving forward, but it feels like if you're going to get into major league soccer now is the perfect time.
4: Yeah. You see the crossover, right? You know, we got Kevin Durant, uh, with the Philadelphia union, Russell Wilson, Sierra, you know, are, are, are part of the ownership group in Seattle. You know, James Harden, you know, with uh, the Houston Dynamo. So it's just a, it's a lot of folks. And then you've got the crossover, too, with ownership. So the, some, some of our owners who own uh, NFL franchises, you know, they own uh, clubs uh, within MLS. And so, you know, the, the Haslam family, you know, I've worked for them in, in Cleveland. We've got the Will family just acquired Orlando City. You know, they own the Minnesota Vikings, were part of the minority ownership group, a part of the ownership group in Nashville with John Ingram and Nashville SC. You know, you got Arthur Blank, uh, who's in Atlanta. And so, you know, Atlanta United, if you haven't been to Atlanta United game, you guys need to check it out. That's close by. Go go check it out. I mean, you know, they, they average around fifty 000 to 60,000 fans uh, per game. So it's an electric atmosphere. It's a great opportunity to be there. And then obviously when you start looking at the Super Bowls, too, you know, we we have out attendance to everybody, uh, particularly within our championship games. So the Super Bowl was in Mercedes-Benz. We had our MLS Cup in Mercedes-Benz a few years ago, and we had more fans there uh, in the stands for that particular event. So the, and then this weekend, you know, it's, it's El Trafico. So it's LA Galaxy, LAFC. I'm actually headed out uh, this weekend to, on Saturday to go be there for that game. Uh, we actually, uh, Landon Donovan, is getting a statue erected of himself. So if if you guys know about fandom, about the the history of the league, Landon Donovan's one of the most decorated players in the United States. And so he's done well, not just on the field, but off of it as well with the San Diego team that he's um, uh, owning and coaching and operating. So he's he's one of our uh, North stars, so to speak. And um, and so we want to celebrate him with that team uh, this weekend
1: you know the, the league just continues to to grow and that, and that's that you know it's i think it's a testament to a lot of people just sticking with it you know early on in its kind of uh, infancy stages there was a lot of talk about you know will it work and all those things and and you know in the in the youth leagues of america were just growing and growing and growing like i i remember even when i was a kid i never never played but, I mean, they would actively recruit you. You know, if you had a buddy that was here or there, like, they were coming for you and wanted you to, to, you know, to play. And then I remember in high school, we had a kid that played all, you know, club teams and whatnot. And he went and tried out for, I want to say it was the KC team, was the closest one at the time. And he went up and tried out. And, you know, we thought he was the best player ever. And, you know, he didn't even make, like, the second cut. And so it just, it just showed the, the talent of, 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 you know, what we thought is out there. And then all of a sudden you have this different level of talent and you have these you know players that I'm sure from a personality perspective are all over the spectrum of that. And so that leads to my question of, you know, what does your role entail on a, on a day-to-day basis, on a month-to-month, on a yearly, on a, you know, an extended, you know, five years, whatever. So what is like, what is your role? If if I'm telling you know my wife who's gonna to ask tonight you know oh, how's Jamil doing and you know what's what's he do and you know I want to I want to I want to nail it on the head this is what Jamil does hit me
4: yeah so so in short our mission is to engage and equip players with strategies to succeed and so you know the players are pretty much the centerpiece of the league and so the the target audience of the folks that we focus on I talked about the MLS Next group again you're looking at Players, the, the range of, of of age when it comes to our players is around 15. You know, we got pros that are 15 years of age. So think about that. Coming into a professional locker room at 15. Our oldest player, I'll, I'll throw this out here, is probably 40. Anywhere from 38 to, to, to age 40. And so, young. you know, yeah, it, it, absolutely. You know, so you, you, you're looking at young, know, but that but that's a big range of guys right. who are continuing to play, play, play in your league. You know, when it comes to what we do, you know, we get them at a very, very early age. So there has to be some type of uh, mechanism that allows them to be at their best or to reach their, their goals and to reach their highest potential. When we talk about player engagement and kind of what we do in our player and competition relations area, we're basically talking about transition. So the, the academic definition of transition, which is birthed out of transition theory, it's any event or non-event that results in these changes in relationships, assumptions, roles, and routines. We all experience transitions in life. Behood, you, you, you got married a few years ago. You've since then had a couple of children. So that's a major event in your life. It's a change. You know, sometimes we change jobs, sometimes we lose jobs. I've been a part of that before too. You know, so that's a drastic change. We think about the player experience, they're getting traded to different places, they're getting married, they're having families. You know, sometimes they don't make the team. Am I gonna stick with it? Am I gonna uh, continue? Uh, it could be graduating from school, uh, continue your education, etc. cetera. So all these transitions are, are part of life um, and, and obviously relationship is key uh, to the transition that they make. So what we do in a nutshell, if you apply that theory into practice is we, we are, we're, we're, we're an asset to our players to kind of help them deal with some of the liabilities. You know, we provide support. uh, We give them strategies. We um, help them look at themselves, you know, uh, in in what they're what they're doing. And we also help them evaluate situations uh, in a way that helps them kind of bridge the gap between where they are now and kind of where they want to go. So in a nutshell, that's kind of what we do. But we do that holistically. So kind of some of the programs that we, we put in place for the players to succeed, we call our seven C's. And so we, we look at cognition. That's really about continuing education. We know that there are prerequisites to getting a job uh, in our country. Um, we also have to look at it from a DEI lens from a diversity standpoint, because we got players that are from, from represented from over 70 countries in our league. So any programming that we do, we have to make sure that these things are translated in English, Spanish and French. So that's that's a whole different, different layer of kind of what we have to, to, to deal with. So when people are coming from different countries, they have different values and core systems, et cetera. So we have another C is character. So we start looking at character. What's your core values? Where do you come from? How are you defining yourself? How are you behaving? What, what can you do in this country that's, that, that, that is, is is not allowed in your country or what? Uh, is allowed in your country that may not necessarily be allowed uh, in this country. Because, again, we really we're really trying to position you for success. We've got um, career development uh, services that we offer our, our players because we want them to start getting some professional experiences so, so when they transition, they're good. We know that 100% of all players will experience career termination. It don't matter what sport you play. We know that the average playing career in, in, in pro sports is around four to five years. Whether you're in the MLS, NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, you're looking at a four to five year period of of being able to play this game. So your time is very, very valuable. What you do with it is going to lead to other opportunities, how you communicate with people and connect with folks. We've got a care area, uh, which is another C. That's really your mind, body, spirit, mental health, mindfulness, meditation. What resources are we providing for our athletes to deal with the pressures? of being a professional athlete, because a lot of people don't realize and now it's it's becoming more and more common. It used to be taboo, if you're talking about mental health, then something's wrong with you, et cetera. But that that stress and that anxiety and pressure has always been there for athletes. The need to be perfect, the evaluation, you're under constant critique all the time as an athlete. So those services are are very uh, critical. Um, we launched our MLS Greats Network, which is our official alumni group of Major League Soccer. And that's, that's kind of under our area of connection. That's really, really important. We always want our players to feel like they're welcome. Uh, we want to collaborate with them and build a community so that we can help advance the game uh, and, 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 and grow soccer uh, in North America. And not just in North America, but, but around the globe. I'm thinking of some other seeds that I may be leaving out right now. Uh, currency. So currency is another C that's our financial education, financial literacy platform. So all of these things help us provide, you know, holistic development for um, our athletes. And that's kind of what I do on the day day in a nutshell, but there's other areas too, you know, strategic partnerships, making sure that we're connected with the right uh, entities. Um, There's training uh, around administrative and different laws in our land, working with our legal folks um, and other entities. You know, there's a player marketing side uh to what we do and connecting so for instance what you do on a day-to-day basis at your job and getting corporations and companies for me is how can we make those connections between those corporations and companies and our players whether they be player activation types of opportunities players working within our social responsibility area with jan greenberg and her group um but how can we make sure that we're bridging the gap making sure that the players have opportunities to succeed not only now but beyond like that's kind of in a nutshell uh, what we do on a day-to-day basis. And then, you know, it's just you know we we you don't know Brandon. I like to be creative, so <laughs> I'm gonna be th- not a, a- <laughs>
1: PowerPoint. <so> I, can, <laughs> I can give it to my wife because I'm not. I didn't take any notes on that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I like to be creative, so man, we I might think of something tomorrow uh, to do. So, but that's that's part of the role. That's the exciting piece about it. You know, um, you know, it's dealing with people which is something that that, that I enjoy doing and helping them grow uh, and achieve their goals and their dreams, man. There's nothing greater feeling for me than to help somebody achieve something that they want to do and and to see them, um, to see that manifest.
1: That's great. And I think you've said it before that you have a lot of freedom in this role. And I think that's the the unique thing for you with, with your background is, is having that, you know, that freedom and that ability to kind of, mold it how you you feel like it it should fit and, and work and and i know you're taking in you know other opinions and, and and whatnot but i think at the end of the day you know having that freedom to be able to really kind of mold your own program as you go along i'm sure it feels feels like a success
4: yeah it's been, it's been great you know we, we've got great leadership here too you can't do it alone and so from our commissioner down to to mark abbott you know the air that i'm in to um you know, Todd Durbin, uh, who's our EVP and our player in competition re- relations area. You know, we've got uh, Joanne Neal, who hired me on uh, coming in before switching over uh, to a different group. To uh, even, you know, Gary um, Stevenson, which is, he's just uh, electric. He's been all over the place from a standpoint of working in different leagues, starting uh, di- 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 different things. So he's been, he's been instrumental uh, and, and the things that we're doing. So we, 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 I'm, in a, I'm in a good place. You know, I've got some good folks, great support. And then, you know, you kind of got like this runway. You know, it, this we're not done. And so it's just a lot of things that we can do with this league uh, to, to help it grow and develop uh, and to continue to, to build more fans like you guys. Uh, so hopefully you guys will get a chance to, to hit me up, come out to a game and, and experience what uh, MLS is all about. Well, no you're question. so
3: detail oriented and, and busy with with this time of year. How often during this overlap of some primetime soccer matchups in the country are you able to watch the Ole Miss Rebels play?
4: Yeah, man, that, that's the everyday. That's that's the Saturday thing that we do. My <laughs> son, and if you look behind me, oh, me turn this way.
1: Oh, it's, ne- it's,
4: it's never lost.
1: Look you how know, big that, that face is. That's,
4: <laughs> that's what it is. That, you know, I actually, you, know, you, actually
1: you actually, Jamil had that like this one. <laughs>
4: <laughs> hey, I'm gonna tell you, you know, when I play, you actually can hit people and not get a flag. But You know, nowadays, <laughs> hey man, this thing is turning. They turning soft, man. It's it's hard okay. to watch. I can't, I can't, I can't lie to you. It is really hard to watch. Like I really don't. I hope we can get into a conversation about this too. I really don't like how we penalize a kid, but then we kick them out of the game.
0: It's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. I
4: mean, it's like, do you not know from a physiological? And that's not even the right way. Let me, let me, let's talk about anatomy. From an anatomy standpoint, your head is connected to your shoulders. So if I lower my shoulders, my head is going to naturally be lowered. And nobody, nobody penalizes the running back for lowering his head ever. They change the, the, the contact zone all the time. And I just, it drives me nuts, to be quite honest with you. When I'm watching a game and I see a player hit somebody hard, make a great tackle, and because the running back lowers his head, and now there's head-to-head, a contact, we kick a kid out of a game. So let me let me let me let me dive into this a little bit more. If you, if you guys would allow me to
1: opine, I I, look, this is
4: a wrong. I think we're on wrong
1: podcast. Did you log into the phone? <laughs> I know you got doctor in front of your name, but we we don't know anything about. But go ahead, you, you do. Either.
4: Yeah, if you if you allow me to opine, just for a second. <laughs> just of my colleagues and just different venues. Like we got to look at changing rooms. I mean, you think about a football schedule, you know, you've got 12 games, 11 to 12 games in college, you know, in basketball, you probably have, you know, 20 to 30 baseball. You're going to play over 40. Like you don't really have a lot of opportunity for any errors. You're training all year as a student athlete, you get in a game, you make a mistake inadvertently. Right. And then your family's traveling to the game. You've worked all year and then they're going to kick you out of the game. Right. Yeah, like not- we've got to look at the rules and change that. Cause that's just not, it's just not good. You know, that I you get the kid out of game do, is- like,
0: the game. a
1: flagrant, like NBA does a flagrant one flagrant two. Like if, if you get the penalty, like you got basically got two chances, you get, you get it twice. Now you got to go, but not. Or the first- soccer. Not- right. Or soccer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give them a ball
4: yellow ball. card. Yeah, yeah. It's a yellow card. You've already penalized, but now we're throwing we throwing kids out of a game in the first quarter, and these are big games. And again, this is where I get when I start talking about club attachment, player attachment. People come to see the players now. We're not here to see the ref- referees. We're not here to see me administrate or Brandon administrate mm-hmm. or Seth administrate. We want to see the game. Right. We want to see the best players on the field play the game, and so that's what we got to get back to. These kids are not making egregious fouls. And if they are, you know, they'll be found out. They're really, they're trying, you see, you see kids when you watch the game, they're really trying to hit with their shoulders, take the head out of the game. Hey, we made the point. But kicking kids, you know, um, disqualifying them from, from the game, I just, that, that burns me up a little bit. Just because I know the preparation that goes into a season. And if, if, if I'm going to get kicked out of a game for making a, a bad tackle or inadvertent tackle, I know I'm trying not to do that because it, it you work too hard just to get there. You're not guaranteed to make the bus, the 85. Now Yeah, <laughs> you got to work all year long to do go through spring practice. You know, the four phases that we used to talk about in football. Like, so we, we've got to, we've got to do something differently to protect those, those athletes and, and keep them on the field um, versus saying, Hey, you know what? You made a mistake. We're just going to disqualify you and not give you another chance. There's many ways to skin this cat. You know, we, we we talked about soccer rules and yellow cards and red cards. Maybe it's the NHL rules, penalty box. Maybe it's the NBA fl- flagrant fouls. But kicking kids out of the games, I'm I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, I did not. expect And, and, and to- you get a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect And, and you got a penalty. We'll give you 15 <laughs> yards and we're gonna kick you out of the game. See you. I, I didn't
3: expect them this route. That's amazing. That's such good uh, insight for uh, the defensive side of the ball now, but. Uh, you're a Tennessee guy you've three degrees from the University of Mississippi you worked here in the athletic department where you were helping set up rebels that came after you for success. Clearly this university means a lot to you as you continue to keep up with it even with your busy life. Uh, just just talk about that what you know what does the University of Mississippi mean to you Jamil?
4: Yeah well you know I got a, a beautiful wife uh, who I met there and so a lot of people talk about what what schools mean. That's a, a big deal. You know, and I have got lifelong friends. You know, I met I met a lot of lifelong friends there. You know, I, I never forget. So Jesse Jesse will probably kill me for talking about this. The, the first day, I got a lot of stories we've already, had, we've already had we already had Jesse.
1: So you're, good. you're good. He can't rebuttal. We already had so him.
4: I, I, I remember the first uh the first kind of summer workout that we had as freshmen. And him, you know, and Marcus Woodson, you know, he's coaching at Florida State now. And condolences to his family. He just lost his brother, too. Um, so you, know, you guys say some prayers for him and his family. But I I'll never forget the first uh, summer workout that we had. Jesse was those guys were like in the group ahead of us. And I think uh, myself and Bob, a couple of guys we rode over. We were getting ready to, to change our clothes, get ready to do our run. I remember coming into the uh, we had to, as freshmen, they used to put you in the upstairs locker room. So we, we were upstairs. I remember coming in, going to my locker, change to get ready for our, this run or whatever. And Jesse and a couple of guys were on the floor. Oh, oh, it's so hard. <laughs> they were winded and gas. And so we, we had to get dressed because it, it was hot, man. You know, that, that's back in the day. Used to practice in the sun. They didn't take care of it like they do now. Uh, two so days that's true. That's the story. Yeah, absolutely. And then I never I forget, you know, the day that I came in for orientation, and I, I ran into Romero, and um, they were having Pascal. He couldn't participate in this because he had class uh, late that evening. And he, and he said, Jamil, what you doing here? I was like, man, I'm here for orientation. He said, man, why are you out here right now? And so uh, I looked at him. I said, hey, man, I'm just trying to take it in. You know, I'm getting ready to, to get my mind right for what we're getting ready to get into. And he said, hey, man, go back to your room. Enjoy all your time. He said, because you're getting ready to give your life away. <laughs> 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 and, he, and he wasn't kidding. He was not kidding there, but but it, but great relationships, great people. You know, like I said, I met my wife. Um, you know, great friends and a lot of my teammates. And you never forget that locker room feel and what that was like. All of the, the wars that you go through with each other. You know, and you you're developing as a as a as a young person. Some of the leadership opportunities that I had, um, which led me down the path path of getting into sports administration, um, was just good. You know, with, with some of our leaders that we had uh, that were there. And um, so, you know, it, it's a great experience. The fraternity that I play is Cap Alpha Size. Uh, shout out to them. Um, and so just, you know, again, lifelong friendships, great campus community. We, we came back this past, this summer. Uh, we got a chance to see that. And you know, with my kids, you know, my, my son and my oldest daughter, Kellen and Layla were, were born um, in Mississippi. And just the affiliation that we had with the university working there in administration, it's amazing how their fandom has continued. Like they, they love uh, the university and they want to see it do well.
1: Well, you gave us some, you gave us a few, a few playing stories there. Um, but I want to ask two questions. And when we we're, we're trying to keep this, you know, keep it tight. So I need you to go quick because you and I could talk all day about this. Well, who are some guys you still keep in touch with that, that like on a daily or weekly basis from your playing days. I, and cause I've heard you talk about so many times about relationships and the and you you talked about your fraternity just now, but you know the thing that I learned being around the baseball program as a as even a student manager is that's essentially a fraternity of guys that you you have those friendships for for the rest of your life because of just the the time that you were here the things that you went through. But who are some of the guys that that you still keep in touch with, like I said, on a, on a daily or weekly basis from your playing days? Yeah,
4: you know Trey Trey Starland is a. Uh, a really huge friend of mine, probably one of my best friends. And he was in a class that was lower than mine. Yeah. But he also um, plays the frat that we did, but we, we kind of connected. We've always stayed in touch. Um, And I pretty much talked to them. I talked to Trey at least three or four times a week. Um, And if you guys don't know about Trey, Trey's the associate commissioner for conference USA, he'd be somebody good to have on your show, just to kind of talk about his career path and journey played in the league. You know, when Trey got drafted into the NFL, um, I talked to him and his family on the phone. I was at the draft table uh, in New York City, filled out his draft card and turned it in. So we kind of got a deep relationship. You know, we, we were together in Kansas City. Our families are, are closely connected. Jesse Mitchell's another person uh, that I talked to. And it's, it's a lot of guys too. You know, Eddie Strong, I don't talk to him every day, but we're kind of on Facebook and in just different groups. Um, you know, uh, Lanier Golthy. I talked to him uh, several times, um, and uh, that's just a good friend of mine. I got some funny stories about Lanier, too. Um, Wood, we talked about Marcus Woodson as well. And, you know, B. Brown is the defense coordinator at Louisville. You know, he was one of the younger, younger guys that's there. Patrick Willis, we still keep in touch you know, it's just a lot of folks, you know, uh, if anybody hits me up, they know that they'll, they'll get a response back from me. So I'm not one of those guys that if you hit me up. I don't, I don't get back. with
1: you, So and lastly, you talked about your, you talked about your family. Um, and I, I know Kim well, and, and, you know, you're seeing Kellen a couple months ago when you were in town and just remembering him being born in Oxford and just this, this little Jamil, uh, clone. And now, I mean, he's, you know i mean the kids out there throwing balls and and you know working him way working his way into a good defensive linebacker um, but talk about your family really quick i mean what do you guys do I, I was joking with kim i was like you know you guys even have a yard now like you you're in the city but she's like <laughs> no we're in new jersey we're on the other side we're we're we we're, we're live in newark but uh, just just talk about them and, and and kind of you know what you guys do where, where you are in life and all that really quick and we'll, we'll wrap it up
4: yeah so my wife and i we just celebrated 15 years of marriage so so
1: we're proud of that so um yeah, being that's, six that's years in deal. i'm a uh, that is a that is a feat, <laughs> that is a feat within itself.
4: yeah so that's a big deal and we're looking forward to uh many more you know we're definitely a team because we got four little ones so the kellen layla Mackenzie, and ava kellen's 11 Uh, Layla is eight, McKenzie's five and Ava's three. So we are, we are all over the place. So you talk about what we do. So like, even with me being able to travel out of town this weekend to go to a game, generally, I try to take the last flight out a lot because I get a chance to see their activities. So, you know, Kellen's in football, he's playing basketball, he does soccer, um, you know, whatever, if it has a ball in it, he's in it. You know, my daughters, they play soccer, they swim. You know, we'll probably get them in basketball and some other different things uh, this year. So generally our weekends and, and weekdays are filled with running them around to just different different events. And so we talk about being fans of teams. They're, they're little league teams and teams that they're on. That's who we're rooting for. I, 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 I lose my voice at the games. And a lot of times, you know, I, I got a chance, you know, particularly during this pandemic, I got a chance to coach my son's um, basketball team. Uh, this year, which, which, was, which was great. And so we're generally spending our time giving back to the community. And it's just not him. It's other kids that you're around and their families and been able to fellowship with them. So, you know, we, we generally, you know, we spend fa- family time with each other, you know, just last night, you know, we, you know, we, we make sure that they are going to be grounded and, and rooted, you know, in, in some good core values. You know, we, we, we read Proverbs to them before they go to bed there you go. Just so they understand uh how to have some wisdom and at least hopefully they can take something away with them. You know, when when they leave our house again, we don't really have that much time with with my oldest. I mean, he's 11, but six years ago by just like that, he'll be out of the house. So just trying to get them ready uh, for life is kind of what we do. And then, you know, we make sure we date each other, you know, so, um, you know, got to make sure you you keep things fresh uh, alive and and keep pursuing each other in your relationship. And just, uh, again, it's really about, you know, stopping and smelling the roses, you know, making sure that each day that we get up, you know, training our kids and, and continuing to keep ourselves on the path where we look at the, the, the glass uh, being half full uh, and appreciating what we have. This pandemic, one of the things it's taught us all is that there's a lot of foolishness going on in the world that can get us distracted and being able to approach the day with the mentality that we're going to win and we're going to get the victory and that what can we do to help, but also having a, you a mindset of gratitude about what we have and not what we don't have and being appreciative of the people that we get a chance to meet and connect with and making a difference in other people's lives. That's kind of how we spend our time. You know, we're we're involved in our in our church, the Life Christian Center that's here in West Orange, New Jersey, which is where we live. And so, yes, we have a yard. We have a basketball goal in our driveway. We get it in Now we're always playing ball doing something, you know, working out, taking care of our bodies. It, it, it's, it's, we, we live a life just like everybody else. Well,
3: that's awesome, Jamil, and you've been so gracious with your time today. Really enjoyed getting a chance to dive deep on a handful of topics, whether it's Major League Soccer or uh, football, becoming different from the way you played it. Like, like I said, <laughs> going down that path. but The targeting hey, penalty. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're excited to get you back to Oxford soon, bringing your family back down, and uh, looking forward to getting a chance to meet you in person. Thank you for your time today.
4: Absolutely. We appreciate it. We look forward to coming down. There's a lot of uh, executives in our office. They want to make it down to the grove. So yeah. I've told go them up. I'm gonna bring them down at some point in time. So B Hub, when I hit you up, hit
1: me up. I know Deerfield you know, and company, it take, it take care of us. Let's go. All right. Thanks again, man. We really appreciate it. It's always good talking to you. Um, like I said, we do all right, talk guys.
4: You. Thank right. you. You guys right. take care of man, have a great day. Good luck. Go revs this weekend.
1: That's right. Hottie Toddy. Told you, we I mean, we got some, we got a lot of insight there, and you know, some that we didn't really even ask for, but you know, the, <laughs> the penalties and whatnot. But I mean, look, he's not wrong. I'll say that. Um, we do, I think, I think college football does need to figure out that piece. But um, as you heard, I mean, just a just a really unique career and a really unique take on things. And and like I said earlier. I think it's interesting that he's getting to kind of do it his way and and build out a program um, to where they they are assigning and assessing needs as they arise, but they're, but are also they have a good formula for things that it's ha- that's happened in the past. And with his experience, I think you know I think he's perfect for that type role. Yeah.
3: I mean, you talked about his resume and all the places he's been, he was academic honor roll, Chuckie Mullins award winner. I mean, that, that tells you everything you you need to know about cut. I think we could have him on every other week and fill an hour episode. He had so (laughs) much. But the other thing that I think that you started to take uh, from him at the end of the interview was all the players he mentioned that he keeps up with still someone involved in conference USA's offices. Uh, We talked with Jesse Mitchell, who's a lawyer, started his own firm, Patrick Willis, like, you you are the group that you surround yourself with mm-hmm. sometimes, and you see all of these successful dudes. Not all uh, have Patrick Willis's NFL playing career, but their professional careers in whatever field they chose, they're all successful. And right. it. it's it's all about the the people you surround yourself with and motivate uh, your activity based off of what your friends and colleagues are doing. And I think you definitely see that with Jamil,
1: no doubt. And and he's he's universally liked, and I think that's another quality that you know helps him with his day-to-day, right? Is that there's not a lot of people out there that that have, maybe none, that would have anything bad to say about Jamil Northcutt. And I think that says more than anything, right, is that – he's universally liked by his peers, by his friends, by, you know, everybody. And so um, just, again, I I, th- I thought that was just a little bit of insight, honestly, because like you said, I think he could go, and I know he could go for a long time. And we'll hopefully at some point be able to get him back and talk about go a different route. But, um, but yeah, I, I was I'm really intrigued by that and thought it was really good.
3: And I don't know if you heard this. This is what I heard. He said he was going to give us tickets to Atlanta United games. Is that true?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's how I interpreted that. Now, again, you know, maybe he listens and suits us to text and says, you know, that's not what I was saying, but. I'm pretty sure that's what he was saying. I, I
3: think he said we can sit
1: with yeah. Arthur Blank at the Atlanta United, yeah. United games. That's he's going to send us the MLS gift basket with every, you know, everything from the league, every team. I'm, I'm excited about it. I'll be you'll the have Roblo. your whole wall. You'll have your whole wall of <laughs> scarves. The entire office will be scarves.
3: I'll be the Rob Lowe of MLS. I'll just have the the shield, <laughs> the kickstand shield on my hat, and there you uh, go. And I'd be really excited to represent the league as a whole. Well, another fun episode in the books. Again, if this is your first time listening, thank you. If you're a return listener, we really appreciate everybody who's been tuning in thus far. Uh, make sure you're subscribing on wherever you get your podcast Spotify, Apple. You can also catch the visual interviews with our guests on YouTube. But it's been fun this far, and we're looking forward to continue bringing you in-depth interviews with the folks in and around Ole Miss Athletics. Until next time, he's Brandon Hudspeth. I'm Seth Austin saying so long and Hottie toddy.
1: How